0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking, and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at emmausroad.com.
1: The Spirit of the Living God is doing something unusual and special in this season. Many of you will have heard me talking about Bartimaeus and that lovely story in Luke chapter 18. Blind Bartimaeus is there begging, and he hears the commotion in the crowd. He says, what's going on? And they say this great line, Luke 18.35, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And in response to this, uh, Bartimaeus realizes this is the most important moment of my life. And so he cries out, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And the crowd say, shut up. Uh, He's just a blind beggar. Don't hassle the great rabbi. Shut up. But he refuses to be silenced. And eventually Jesus hears him and says, hey, bring him here. And then says to him, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And he articulates, he says, I want to see. And he's healed. And it seems to me that when Jesus passes near, and there are times where he passes near, in our lives, individually, in churches, even in nations, that it's important how we posture ourselves. Uh, It's my conviction, and I've shared about this over previous weeks, that if Bartimaeus hadn't cried out to God, uh, had just sat there quietly said, well, I guess Jesus is really loving and really powerful, and if it's his will, he will heal me. I believe he would have missed his healing, and we wouldn't know his name today. It's something about the fact that he sees that moment, cried out, and wouldn't be shut up. Uh, that means he uh, entered the pages of history. And so it is important when Jesus is passing by that we don't just do business as usual, that we grab our surfboards, hoist our sails, cry out, and articulate what it is we want the Lord to do for us. Some of you may be saying, well, why are you saying that Jesus is passing by? And, and many of you will have heard because uh, we've been banging on about it. But the extraordinary and significant, powerful visitation of the spirits that uh, began at Asbury University in Kentucky on the 8th of February with a handful of students in the chapel there seeking God on an ordinary Wednesday afternoon and somehow... The Spirit of the Lord moved, and more and more of the students were drawn to the chapel to get their hearts right with God, and the thing just grew and grew. I had the privilege of being there in that incredible environment, packed with people, many in tears, deep, pungent sense of God's presence. People confessing sins, people giving their lives to Jesus, lines and lines outside, people waiting four to six hours to get in there, 100,000 people turned up within the first two weeks, and uh, something extraordinary going on. And what uh, I find so remarkable is it seems to be multiplying. I've talked about it as a popcorn effect. You know, when the temperature goes up in, in your microwave and the, the corn just starts to suddenly pop. And, and different situations seem to be popping. J.D. Walt, who's um, one of the really the key guys behind the awakening in Asbury, um, and I'm thrilled, he's my friend, but he's a godly, godly, wise guy, I'm thrilled that he's coming to, to wildfires and is going to be releasing amongst us what's, what's been going on, but he, he, he said everywhere he shares now, he's seeing similar things take place, a confession of sin, uh, salvation, a fresh hunger for God. And we're seeing it uh, here in Emmaus in some uh, germinal way. Uh, last Sunday morning, as Hannah spoke, I just thought it was amazing at the end where she just said, sort of, does anyone want to become a Christian? And, and I must admit, I was sitting down there, I thought, oh, Hannah, that's not how you do it. You're supposed to get the band to play in E minor for 30 seconds. You, you know, you're going to explain it, use a metaphor, but she just said, anyone who wants to become a Christian? And four hands just went straight up. I mean, it's not everything, but it's something, isn't it? And, and you know, in the evening, as, as many of us gathered in Founders Studio at, at the evening service, but also many members of this service, you know, incredible sense of God's presence. And at one point, there'd been a word about addiction. I said, I wonder if there are people here that God wants to set free from addictions. And um, and I believe he can do that. He can break those cycles in your life. Uh, but if you want to do that, I want to remind you that the scriptures say, confess your sins to one another. And I, I said, why don't you come down and confess y- y- your sins? Like, come and kneel down and we'll put someone with you. And you, you tell them, you actually speak out. You know, you know, Bring it into the light. And I, I must admit, I was nervous doing it because... You know, when, when you're leading these things, it's a bit scary those moments. But I thought I've got to start to take some risks here if God's doing a new thing. And uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen young guys, mostly mostly men, some women, you know, in their early twenties, just straight down, kneeling down, confessing their sins. And 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 this isn't doesn't normally happen in our midst. It's not everything, but it's something. Something is stirring at all the congregations now we're calling special prayer in the evenings we're encouraging people to fast as as you know um it was a, a number of weeks ago now that edwin in the worship deeply moved in this service by just the presence of god came and shared and he said i just see wave upon wave of people being brought to us as a church are we ready And Chris Leach texted me and said, that's extraordinary because I had the same picture at the family business meeting, but I didn't share it. And there's that sense it's not just encouraging what is happening, but what God is going to do. Are we ready for an increase of his pouring outpouring of the Spirit in our midst? And uh, it's not just, of course, here at Emmaus, uh, you know, uh, I've mentioned, you know, uh, in Hackney, Al Gordon phoned me, he said, I don't know what's gone on, but since I got back from Asbury, 116 young people have given their lives to Jesus so far, Uh, I don't know why, we haven't done a special, like, mission or anything, and uh, I know similar things are happening uh, in many locations. But uh, uh, let's give you another example. David Yegnazel, where are you, David, this morning? Come on, c- come on up. Da- David, is, as some of you will know, has just been at ground zero in uh, s- south-central Turkey, the earthquake zone, and then uh, I-, I-, I think, were you in Syria as well? No, just Turkey. And then working with Leeds of the Iranian Church. But tell us that extraordinary story about the dream.
2: Thanks. Uh, Yeah, as um, Pete said, I was able to be in the earthquake place, but then had time with some leaders from inside Iran and heard extraordinary stories of how God's at work. One of them, I mean, many of them are just people faithfully serving and seeing God break through in different ways, but there are some incredible stories that just build your faith. So, this lady who's one of the church leaders was sharing this story that she'd worked with a new believer for a while doing Safar with them, actually, and then but she wasn't really growing that much, but then she went to a one-week sort of intensive discipleship where they were seeking God, just like we're talking about seeking God here. She went back, and uh, she was praying one night, um, fell asleep, had a dream. In her dream, two people turned up at her door at one o'clock, and they said their names are Majid and Sahar, and they're here to find out about Jesus. And so she woke up, didn't know what to make of the dream, Uh, but as you can imagine she about fainted when at one o'clock there was a knock at the door and two people were there hi we're majid and sahar and uh, they had found out that she's a christian Um, they said we we've heard that you're a christian they'd never met her they just heard about her turned up at her door and for a few hours chatted that day came to know the lord that day and then Uh, four uh, or six others in their town, they came from a little town, uh, have come to know the Lord. And this little tiny uh, fellowship has started in a place that has never heard the gospel before. So God's at work. Amazing. Amazing.
1: Amazing. I mean, come on, just raise your hand if you think I would like a few more dreams like that and stories like that here. And so when I hear things like this, there's something in me that just says, there's more. And I want it. I want more of you, Lord. I don't just want more of the same. I think as we reflect on some of these encouraging signs of what we see God doing, there are two particular marks of this movement of the Spirit, and they are hunger and holiness. Hunger. 100,000 people turning up at a funny little nowhere place in Kentucky. From other nations as well, because they're so hungry for God. There is a hunger in the church of Jesus Christ for more of Jesus Christ. And many of you will resonate with that. You're feeling that hunger and that thirst, that longing. It may be that you've been through a season of suffering and that has focused you. On eternity, it may be that you've gone through a period of great brokenness or great dryness, but you're longing, in the words of the psalmist, as the deer pants for streams of living water. So my soul thirsts after you. But it's also marked by holiness. Uh, uh, Over the altar there at Asbury, it says, Holiness to the Lord. And I believe we're at a time where there is such brokenness in society. There's such, uh, every by every metric, addiction, uh, complete profound psychological confusions, mental health crises... There's such brokenness in society, and I believe that the spirit of holiness wants to help God's people to look more like Jesus Christ, to be holy. And to be holy is to be happy. It's to be joyful. It's to be colorful. It's to be creative. It's to be free. It's to be forgiven. It's to be forgiving. It's to be uh, life-giving. It's to be uh, generous. It's, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, humility, self-control. There's the very fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to raise up people who are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness uh, and humility and self-control in a culture that is very unloving and very unkind and very unpeaceful and very unself-controlled, amen? And so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about holiness, at turning to the Lord and saying, I want to be like Jesus. That's what this series that we've been doing on the Beatitudes is all about. How do we live the way of Jesus? I want to acknowledge, though, that when we start to talk in these kinds of ways, some of you, for very legitimate reasons, feel nervous. Nervous of hype and intensity. You think, oh, I've been here before. And I want to promise you, we are not going to get hyped, and we're not going to be all intense. Listen, if between now and Easter we push into prayer and fasting, and we just get a little hungrier for God and have have a few good worship times, that's great. That's That'll do. I also want to say we're not going to get into a, a, a kind of escapism that rubbishes the present and says, well, the present is so terrible that all I can think of is to hope for this thing called revival that will somehow make everything better. Listen, if this is all we ever have, it's enough. Jesus has died for us. I've been forgiven of my sins. I've been placed in his family, the church. He's blessing us, actually, and we're growing, and people are coming to know him, and we're caring for the poor, and we live in a beautiful part of the world uh, where it doesn't always rain, and we're having some fun once in a while. It's okay. This is all right, okay? So so this is not coming out of some deep, sort of primal scream of, uh, uh, of religious angst, but when I hear the kind of stories that David shared, when I, when I go to places like Asbury and taste something there, I, 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 when I look at the life of Jesus, when I look at the book of Acts, I say there's more and something within me becomes hungry for that. Is that okay? So that, That's how I think we need to steward this together. So uh, let's look together at the psalm that actually triggered the last great awakening we saw in the British Isles. Uh, and I'll explain why in a second. So this is Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. If you're able to do so, let's stand as we read God's word as a sign of respect for his word. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Amen. Do do please be seated. So it was a cold, wet night in the village of uh, Barvis on the Isle of Lewis in the outer Hebrides of Scotland, a place so wild that I've been there and the branches only grow out of one side of some of the trees because of the prevailing winds. And two old ladies, the Smith sisters, one aged 84, the other aged 86, were sitting by their crackling peat fire, praying. And as they prayed, they could see out the window, I've been there, I've seen this, the parish church. And one of the sisters had a simple vision. In her vision, she saw that church filled with young people. So simple. And yet so exciting to them because there were no young people attending the church at that time. And so in our kind of culture, we're very used to visions and prophecies. And we probably go, oh yeah, that's really encouraging, old lady. Thank you. Have a croissant, you know. (laughs) But in that culture, this was dynamite. God help us if we become over-familiar right, with prophecy, and so they called for the minister the next morning, they told him the great news that God was going to move, and young people were going to come to the church, and poor chap, he said, well, what do you want me to do about it, and with the kind of authority that godly old ladies do carry, in my experience, they fixed him with a beady stare, and said, what do you mean, you don't know what to do, you need to pray, man, and they said, we will stay up late praying here in our cottage, every night if you will do the same with your elders in a barn somewhere on the other side of the village. And so they they started these, these two prayer meetings and they began to pray. And I want you to know it wasn't the next night or the night after. In fact, it wasn't the next week or the week after. It was after many weeks of praying late into the night that there came this moment where one of the elders in the barn stood up and read the words you have just heard. But when he got to that line about who may ascend the hill of the Lord, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, he paused and he said this. He said, Lord, it seems to me just so much humbug if we are here praying as we are praying and my heart is not right with you and my hands are not clean before you. And as he began to confess his sins, the Holy Spirit fell upon that prayer meeting with such power that that elder fell to the floor under the power of his presence. And an awakening began that would completely transform those islands. Entire communities came to know Jesus. On the night the revival broke out, uh, there are authenticated reports that people were waking in their beds under the of their sins, aware that they need to get their hearts right with God, even though it was the middle of the night, and they got up, got dressed, and went to the church, thinking maybe that's a good place to do it, expecting it to be dark and locked up, and instead found God's people in there, the gospel being preached, and gave their lives to Christ. My friend uh, Donald MacPhail, who's since gone to be with the Lord, but I stayed in his house there. Uh, he, you know, he was the great intercessor of the Hebridean Awakening, age fourteen through 17. And he took me to the house where they had a prayer meeting where the whole house shook as they, they prayed. These are things we read about in, in the Acts of the Apostles. There was one night where they estimate that 75% of the people who came to know Jesus did so before they made it to a church meeting because the presence of God was so thick and strong that even in the streets and the houses, you could sense his presence. And, uh, you know, some people, when they talk about this word revival, they basically mean successful church services and religious rallies. But I believe that there is something of the The coming of the Spirit, Jesus passing near, that is way beyond just successful meetings and is about his kingdom coming to even entire communities. And I don't know about you, that's what I long for. And this has been well authenticated in the 1858 awakening that came to the eastern seaboard of America. There are reports that as ships approached certain ports... They came within a zone of heavenly influence. Ship after ship arrived with the same tale of sudden conviction and conversion as they neared the port. Duncan Campbell, who was the great leader of the Hebridean awakening, who was discipled by my great-grandfather and his brother. Uh, so a, That's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this. I have a direct family connection into that, 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 that awakening. Uh, Duncan Campbell uh, wrote this about the Hebrides. He said, a consciousness of God seemed to hover in the atmosphere. The very atmosphere seemed charged with the power of almighty God. In the 1859 Ulster Awakening uh, in Northern Ireland, there's a lovely story of a schoolboy who uh, was, was, was upset, very upset, Uh, And so obviously, so that the schoolmaster sent him home. And uh, one of the the other kids in the class who happened to be a Christian volunteered to accompany this upset boy home. Good idea. And on the way, as they got talking, the Christian boy led the other boy to Jesus, became a Christian. And we know it was a work of the spirit because they both went back to school. And when they stepped into the, the classroom, everyone was surprised because the teacher who had looked, because uh, the child who had looked so miserable earlier that he had to be sent home, now was beaming with joy and he said these rather artless words. He said, Oh, I am so happy I have the Lord Jesus in my heart. When these words were spoken, we are told that boy after boy rose, left the room and went and knelt down in prayer along the wall of the playground and began weeping and crying out to God. As the noise, the wailing uh, rose... Uh, we are told that it reached the street outside and people came into the school wondering what was going on. But as they crossed the threshold, they too were touched by God until every room in the school was filled with men and women, boys and girls crying out to God. You see, the Spirit of the Lord is bigger than religion. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all the earth. His kingdom comes not just to Christians, but to the whole earth. And one day, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea. In 1906, the Azusa Street Awakening, led by that wonderful, uh, one-eyed African-American preacher, William J. Seymour, uh, the, 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 the 24-7 prayer room in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, that sparked Pentecostalism and the charismatic renewal. There are today something like 565 million Pentecostal Christians in the world. It is the fastest growing Christian tradition in the world. Just to give you some grid on this, there's only 85 million Anglicans. Just get, get a little bit of a grid on what God has done in the last century plus, since that 24-7 prayer room in Los Angeles. But... Uh, many wonderful things we could talk about, the way the Spirit was poured out upon them. But one of the great biographers of that uh, moment in that movement, who was himself an eyewitness, said this. A very bloodline seemed to be drawn around Azusa's mission by the Spirit. When men came within two or three blocks of the place, they were seized with conviction. Listen, I'm bombarding you, I know. But if we don't feel a little frustrated with our present circumstances, if we don't feel a little bit desperate for more of the Spirit, I don't know what's going on. Something within me longs for more. That's the ache within me that caused Sammy and me to start the first 24-7 prayer room. There has to be more. I know we're in over 100 countries. It's the ache that causes to stop wildfires, to contend for another great awakening, this conviction that there is more. Something within me cries out with the prophet Habakkuk Lord, I have heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds. Now repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And I find myself challenged by the words of Hebrews. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, they say that in the great Welsh awakening, Of course, Wales, mining was the big industry at that time. There was this meeting of the mine owners. They couldn't understand. The pit ponies seemed to have stopped pulling their weight, literally. And they couldn't work out what was wrong with the pit ponies. And what they found out was this. The pit ponies had been trained to obey the miners, and the miners mostly swore at them. But so many miners had come to know Jesus, they'd stopped swearing. And the pit ponies didn't know what to do anymore. Oh, do it again in our day, Lord. In wrath, remember mercy. And so, I believe it's time for us to hoist our sails. To cry out like Bartimaeus, if Jesus is passing by, let's not just wish and hope and cross our fingers. Let's cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And if he should fix you with his eyes, please, would you know what to say to him when he says to you, what do you actually want me to do for you? I believe it's time for us to get our hearts and our hands clean like that Hebridean elder. I believe it's time for us to open ourselves to a fresh visitation of the Spirit as William J. Seymour and his friends did in Azusa Street. I believe it's time for us as a church to get ourselves ready for wave upon wave of people coming to know Jesus, the poor and the broken and the lost and the desperate, those who are humbled enough by their circumstances to trust in Jesus Christ. That's the prophetic word over us. How are we posturing our hearts? And then we'll work out our budgets and our strategies. Let's get ready. And this is the fundamental posture of Christian discipleship. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what we've been studying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall get added unto you. There are 191 exhortations in the New Testament alone to seek God. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, seek his face always, Full words, seek his face always, 24-7, desire for God. Augustine, in his great work, the Trinity, cites that verse more than any other. Psalm 105, verse 4, seek, seek, seek. Robert Louis Wilkin, the great um, patristics. Scholar says this more than any other passage in the Bible. Psalm 105 verse 4 captures the spirit of early Christian thinking. You want to know what the church fathers and mothers had in common? They sought God. God. They were hungry for God. They desired God. These were some of the most brilliant men and women who ever lived. They completely redefined culture as we know it. They were intellectually brilliant. They were courageous in their proclamation. They were great leaders. But the heart of it all was they never lost their hunger for God. Please, God, don't ever let me lose that. And so that's why, really practically, uh, this isn't just a, like a message that you can either go, yeah, I felt it or I didn't. I'm gonna, we really practically. We're encouraging you. If Jesus is passing near, let's push into prayer. I want to encourage you. Come along this evening to to the evening service and join us as we seek God, as we worship, as we pray, we seek His face, and we ask uh, Him to move amongst us. Someone's already sent in the most extraordinary prophetic dream that God's given them that we're going to share tonight that's why we're launching 24-7 prayer today again hallelujah pushing back into the prayer room get your slot in there don't miss out on an appointment with God the miracle is not that you turn up there it's that God turns up when you do why would you not want that that's why we've got Kingdom Come this Wednesday. This is a season for us to push into the presence of God. So I'm encouraging you to consider fasting, maybe a day a week, during this season up to Easter. And so I'd love us just to respond. I know the Lord's already been speaking. Mike shared that word. Many of you responded there. But let's just get the band back up, shall we? And we're just going to take a few minutes now to respond to this in our own hearts and on behalf of our own families. You know, if you're the only Christian in your family, you're a priest in your family. If you're the only Christian in your workplace, you're a priest and a prophet, a pastor and evangelist in your workplace. If you're the only Christian in your street, you're a prophet and a pastor, an evangelist to that street. And so we make decisions for ourselves, but also for those who don't yet know Jesus. So let me just put some specific challenges here. The first one is this. If Jesus says to you what he says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? What's your ask? Sometimes it's easy to go through life going, I vaguely want sort of feelings. Now, what do you want him to do? This is a time to ask. The second thing is this. I wonder if some of us have lost our hunger and our thirst for God. And this is a moment where you go, oh, yeah, I kind of know that, you know, uh, getting a Tesla and a slightly nicer kitchen isn't really what life's about. I do actually know that, but it's easy to get sucked into that. And there's a time where a new hunger and thirst is coming to us. Maybe you want to confess that desire has been diluted somewhat in your life and you're wanting to say, God, give me my hunger back. By the way, do not pray that unless you mean it. In my experience, it's a prayer God answers fast and furious. I find when at the moment I say, God, I, I want you to renew my hunger and thirst, He does it. It's a dangerous prayer. Uh, because he's pretty keen that he knows that if we're hungry and thirsty, everything else will follow on. But if we lose that, we're dead already. So don't pray unless you mean it. I wonder if for some of us it's really a, this challenge about clean hands and a pure heart. There's just areas of sin, there's areas we've allowed death and destruction, addictive behaviors, selfishness to creep into our lives our speech our thoughts our words our deeds that we know we need to get our hearts right with God and so we're pushing into that as well so let's just take a moment Uh, I'm going to give an opportunity for response in just a second but let's each of us just like Bartimaeus he was in this crowd but it was all about him and Jesus focus now in this crowd focus now on Jesus what do you want to say to him and what does he want to say to you Just going to do something a little bit messy and unusual. I think for those of us who know, there's things we got to get right with God, and um, it may even just be that you need to confess that you've lost your your desire, your hunger, and your thirst, and you you are wanting to say, okay, please restore that to me. I want the main thing to be the main thing again in my life. Um, in a moment, I want to invite you to, to, to signal that clearly by getting down the front, but not, I want you to come and get on the stage and kneel, or get in your faces or whatever you want to do. And i tell you why, is I just think it's a season where many people who've got comfortable sitting in the seats, it's time for you to step up and lead. And um, there's also just more space up here uh, but 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 this this is just a time for just some courage saying I, I don't mind what lights are on me but I am not gonna hide it so let's just stand together and those who are saying yeah that's me just just come on down and do your business with God here just get on the stage and make this a marker moment where you say I I, I, I I've, I need to get my heart right with God in particular areas. Uh, I'm going to step up. I'm going to I'm going to begin to lead again. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. I want God to renew in me desire. Uh, so, just come on up on the stage. Who's coming up first? Great, brilliant. Just and just just have a kneel down. Get yourselves comfortable and just do your business with God. everything we want God to do in society has to begin begin in us and it overflows scriptures say judgment begins with the house of the Lord I really sense for somebody here there's a There's a mindset change today because you've been like just contending for yourself, and it's been hard. You felt quite isolated spiritually. And that thing I said about actually you are a leader for others, it's a mindset shift to realize the battles you're fighting aren't just for you, but they're for those around you who don't yet know Jesus, that He is making you a pastor, a priest, a prophet to people who don't yet know Jesus. And so the, the very decisions you make, the very prayers you pray are not just for you, but they are for others. That's great. So all you guys on the stage, you just... Tell the Lord what you want from him. He sees you. He loves you. There's a smile on his face. Why are you here? What do you want me to do for you? You tell him. Holy Spirit, come move in power in all of us now. Spirit of God, we long for you to fill the streets. We long for you to fill the schools. Would you come, Spirit of God, in our midst now? Come in power. We don't want to contain you or control you. We want to release you. Just to say, it's uh, we're really super comfortable with a bit of yelling. Happens at a football match. Why shouldn't it happen at church? And sometimes when people encounter the power of God, they shake a bit. God's powerful. If you plugged yourself into the mains, you'd shake a bit. God's more powerful than 240 volts. So just sometimes that happens. But don't be frightened. He's kind. He's loving. It's all fine. Emma.
0: Hello. Um, My name's Emma. I think you probably don't know me because I'm fairly new here but um, at the beginning of the worship I felt that I needed to just bring some things to God that were going on in, in our family's lives that I, I was really struggling with and really holding on to and um, I just brought them and, and laid them down and gave them over to God there was a part of the worship where the, that we were encouraged to just hand things over to God and so I did that and then when I closed my eyes in the worship I could see angels just tumbling and tumbling and tumbling over this place and it filled up the entire space with angels tumbling and the presence of God was so heavy, so thick, uh, it was just pressing down on me. And I just felt um, the joy of God's presence was extraordinary. And I just felt God saying, you know, the difference between my presence and you having just, you know, doing your life and doing what you want to do and, and you controlling your life is, is a hair's width, a hair's breadth And and if you just want me in your life like that, if you want me to take over, all you have to do is just let me. Just let go. Let me have it. And I feel like our lives are so comfortable and can be so comfortable. And, you know, it's so easy to just get on with life because it's so comfortable. and And it can be relatively easy to just get on with life. But God's presence is so much better and, and the power that was in that moment. And then I, I opened my eyes and it was like taking headphones off. All of the sound went and all of the presence of God went. And he said, which one do you want? Do you want the headphones on or the headphones off? And I just think that's his invitation to all of us. And it's such a simple, simple step of surrender. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So, Lord... We ask you would make us a hungry people, a thirsty people, an unsatisfied people. Lord, we want to seek your face always. Renew in us our desire for you. Focus us on things unseen. Thank you that you've placed eternity in our hearts. Lord, for those of us who are sleepwalking, would you wake us up? And for those of us who are deeply, deeply hungry and thirsty, would you come and would you quench our thirst with your presence and would you fill us
0: with good things?